Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to, ready, ready, we're ready to bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. On all the words that we have fumbled on in that intro- introduction, ready and bready has never been it. <laughs> Not yet. So today's a first. Um, but it's not the first, right? And so here we are having our, um, I'm going to be a little cynical, our token podcast on racial inequity because of what's going on in the world today. Wow. You say token because everybody has to talk about this. Otherwise, right. if you don't talk about it, like are, you're just like hiding from what's going on. But but the only time we're going to talk about it is when something horrible happens. Mm. And I'm not yeah. saying that just as uh, a podcast because we haven't been around long enough to be able to have this conversation more than once just because something horrible happens. But um, but in society yeah. and as a church, there are pockets of the church who's, who, who voice this regularly. Social justice yep. advocacy and things like that is one of the th- realities of our church. But um, those voices are only really heard during this season. It is yeah. trendy to be uh, to be talking about racism, to be talking about justice and things like that. But six weeks ago, it wasn't. Yeah. Six months ago, it wasn't. Yeah. And yet you and I both survived the, uh, the, the Rodney King movement uh, back in the LA riots that took place back in the early 90s. Yep. Like, the, the, it, this is Generation Z's version of what we experienced as Generation X back when we were youth. And it's lather, rinse, repeat. And I'm so frustrated by it um, because these conversations come up and then something else comes and then they just kind of die off. And then two months later, two weeks later, two years later, whatever it is, the same things keep happening. Like racism should be gone in America and yet it is still here. Yeah. Well, and, and like uh, imagine like how frustrated those people are that that deal with this on a daily basis right that it only comes up every four years whenever there's an election or whatever or it only comes up every so often like you're frustrated as a as a middle class white guy right right you right. know our black brothers and sisters are frustrated like in, in like in the same thing it's like why why haven't we dealt with this why aren't we taking care of this and stuff like that so like that's like that is part of our topic today but the the main topic though one of the things Maybe not. But one of the things we we want to get across to our ministry leaders is when stuff like this happens, bigger or smaller, whatever, in your community, in our nation, in our world, do not be silent. Do not be silent. And this is the thing that I think is hard because sometimes even (laughs) this is like sometimes obedience and the need to speak out like conflict. Right, because sometimes our superiors say you cannot talk about this, like that that has happened, like and and I have heard like that come down the pipeline from top to bottom. You guys can't talk about this, or don't don't talk about this, or it's insinuated not to talk about it, or whatever right. it we, is. We haven't prepared our official statement, which has to be absolutely polished and perfect. Yep. And because of that, we're going to say nothing until then. And as a society and a culture. That is reinforced, and I want to I yeah. want to share an an example of that. So Ellen DeGeneres, she posted on her social media somewhere, and she used the term "people of color" instead of "black," mm. and she got lambasted 
She wow. was trying to speak in the realm of advocacy and solidarity. Yeah. And she got lambasted because she didn't say things perfectly. Yep. Ministry leaders say it anyway. Yeah. We Amen. have to start the dialogue. Say it anyway. It is always going to be a risk to share the gospel in any context. Share it anyway. We have yeah. to be at the forefront of what it models to listen and to learn. I will admit that I have blind spots. I will admit that I do not know how to talk about this clearly, perfectly. Yeah. Um. But but that's okay going in and stumbling and fumbling. The efforts are made to where people recognize that I can take a risk to try and figure out how to talk about this, or more importantly, how to listen um, effectively in yeah. this dialogue. Part of me is I'm, I'm afraid that we have been... Like, I don't know, we have this culture of fear around speaking up about things like this because of how social media has trained us. Like if we say anything on social media and we're we're halfway messed up in the way we say it, we get roasted, right? Like even individually, it's like, well, here's my opinion. Oh, well, like here's the billion reasons why the way you phrased your opinion is wrong. Like it's like my, your opinion isn't wrong, but the way you phrase it is wrong or whatever. And so then right. like we, we give people face to face zero chance to hear what we have to say because we've dealt with it in social media. We're not going to talk about it in public or in person. And here's an example because it's ridiculous. It is. Yeah. So you know that uh, Ben and Jerry's uh, founders, they ended up uh, marching in a uh, in a protest. Um, which I, I think is awesome, is great, and, and, and part of their advocacy. But if you posted here in Texas that you like Bluebell ice cream, right? I love Bluebell ice cream. I could imagine a post underneath saying, oh, so you don't support the movement because Ben & Jerry's ice cream founders did this. And so if you <laughs> like Bluebell ice cream, it means that you hate these people yeah. or this ice cream. And it's like, that's not what I was saying. At I have all. a friend. I have a friend who posted his kid did something. Like, isn't my son cute? And someone was like, hold on, we are trying to reserve our social media walls for advocacy during this time. And he's like, it's okay to celebrate family during this time as well. Like, we have to bring our families into it, even if it's not advocacy, just to share life, because life is still good. And in the midst of this, we're trying to, a betterment needs to happen on all areas. Yeah. So it's, it's hard. So, so, so talk about it. Like, uh, that's the, what I want to get at. Like in, and it's not talk about it. I mean, sure. Post stuff on Facebook or whatever. Like that's my least concern because the, how effective social media is in converting hearts is like minimal or negative a hundred. I don't even know. Like I've never seen anyone actually change because of a post, you know, or because of a comment. It's, it just doesn't make a difference. Um, all it does is help you feel better in your little echo chamber or whatever. So, but what I have seen change is when people talk to people like face to face, when they have conversations and when they're, when their pastors get up and they preach on something and it opens a conversation, it may actually open up some pretty heated dialogue, but that's okay because you're talking to a person and, and there's a, we, we tend to give each other a little more leeway when we are face to face with the other person, whatever it is, whatever they're talking about. And if you get up there and you say, Hey guys, I don't know how to talk about this. I don't know if this is a leftist agenda, if this is a rightist agenda, because I like, it's crazy. Cause I've heard both arguments like with the, with the guards of what's going on and the reaction to it. It's like, I don't care. Like, I don't care whose agenda it is. The underlying issue is still an issue. We have to address the underlying issue. 
Um, I don't know. I don't care who's using it for their own benefit. There's still an underlying issue that is a problem. Right. So, yeah. And, and the dialogue is the art of listening. That that's what I think is 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 most important right now is to be able to understand someone else's point of view. So let's say that you're talking with someone who's racist. Right. To sit and to listen. Like, why do you feel that way? Why do you believe that, um, you know, this person who uh, did this or that deserved to be killed for that or, you know, got what they deserve or whatever it was? And, and to listen, you know, because um, I, I remember um, speaking to an older person uh, back when I was younger and he hated Japanese. He hated the Japanese. Mm. And I sat with him and I was like, why? And he goes, because I lost some friends in Pearl Harbor. Mm. Like, that's why yeah. I don't like the Japanese. And I'm like, oh, so there's like a backstory there. Because if I just would have been like, you're wrong for feeling that way. Like, you're you're foolish, old man. I, I would have been insensitive and I would have been a jerk. And to understand that and be like, you know, the world has changed a lot. And those people who, who bombed Pearl, Pearl Harbor, they're not flying planes anymore. Like, you know, is it, are you okay with me hanging out with Shinya, a high school friend of mine? Are you okay yeah. with me hanging out with Shinya and, uh, and, and, and be like, what's wrong with him? And he's like, you, you know, to have that dialogue, yep. to understand where they're coming from, because just whoever shouts the loudest isn't going to be the biggest change maker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that, that not only listening, but that education, like if you feel like you are right in whatever your opinion is or whatever, that's great. Um, and I think that's fine. If you have not entertained the opposition's arguments or like looked into what the, why they feel the way they feel, you, <laughs> you're wrong. Um, like you're wrong for holding that opinion. Because the opinion is not based. I'm not saying your opinion is wrong. I'm just saying that it's an uneducated opinion. It, it's just boring. Is what I what I'm saying. Is <laughs> it's boring. If if you, <laughs> I if don't want to talk believe, to you. If you haven't no. like entertained either one, then I don't like you're useless to talk to. No, but just <laughs> just hear me out because there's no growth potential. Like if you believe that you are right, like of course, like you should believe that you are right. This is how the human condition works. Yep. But that's that's a boring position. But if you instead enter into this and say. I'm going to try and lead or or sit where love is most needed right now, where God's love is most needed, then that's a beautiful thing. And so um, just to throw a practical tidbit in there right now is I have found that some people are extremely uncomfortable at talking about specific situations because they're so polarizing, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and some people say, oh, this is a left issue. This is a right issue. And it's like, this is a human issue. Wait, this is a race issue. You know, there's all sorts of things that are going on with that. Well, Here's what I found in regards to a practical practical tidbit is to talk about a different situation and explore that. So, mm-hmm. for example, the movie Just Mercy yep. came out and it was uh, stream, stream it for free and it's, it's, it's still being done. And to say, OK, there are some resources that have already been created to be able to take a Catholic approach to understanding both the racial uh, systemic racism that, uh, that, that that movie addresses, but also the death penalty. Right. And it's PG-13. So it's probably for an older crowd or an older audience. Don't 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 do this with your second grader. But then all of a sudden you're able to talk about it because you viewed something and experienced something together and can have a shared dialogue about that as opposed to um, say specifically, I want to talk specifically about the George Floyd situation or about the violence in this protest or about this protester. And it's like, well, hold on now. Why don't we bring it back and talk about racism in general? Because we can all admit that the church teaches clearly that racism is a sin. Right. 
Yep. And so, so how do we start that dialogue when everything is attached to something? Well, get something that you can both stare at together, like a piece of art, and discuss it. What does this speak to you? I uh, I was speaking with someone um, earlier this week, uh, a, a black colleague, about some of this stuff, and one of the things that he said, it, like, which was interesting, and I haven't verified this. So, listeners, if if this is untrue or whatever, um, tell me and prove me wrong. Um, but what he had said with there, there are only two documents that have been put out from the church on racism. One of them was like 50 years ago. And then one of them was like 10 or 12 years ago or something like that. And it's, uh, and maybe it's because the, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't looked at the documents or anything like that, but I find that very interesting. Um, like how many documents have been put out on other issues and this actually like i i'd seen a post recently or no it's uh, in this book called woke church um this uh this pastor was talking about how he was asked to come and speak or to come and teach at a uh, at a college on all these social justice issues and and like in his own self-reflection he was like i never talked about race it was not even on my list it, all this other stuff, abortion, you know, same-sex marriage, all these other things were on his list, but not that. And uh, sorry, not social justice issues, just like moral issues or whatever. But it, so it's just like that wasn't even on the list, wasn't even on the radar of things needed to talk about, which is crazy. But those were social justice issues. And yeah. I think Catholic social teaching embodies or encompasses a number of things. And that 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 that's my my other point that I really wanted to share is like we must be challenged as leaders to – um to not check the box. Yeah. To say we had a night on social justice, so that mm. means we can check off abortion, you know, uh, imprisonment, you know, all, all these different things, racism, boom, we all check that off all at once and we're done. Because even if we had a separate night on each one of those, which would literally take a semester, which would yep. be awesome, right? That, that'd be a great semester. Um, we still wouldn't be doing quote unquote justice yeah. to it because um, j- because just like charity and virtues, we can't talk about them and set them aside. We have to incorporate them into all that we do. And so hey, I what was does honest they... once or I talked about honesty once. Done. I'm yeah, an honest person. It. Yeah. <laughs> and so what does it look like to incorporate it, to give them experiences of this, to allow them to flex the muscles, just like you want them to build those uh, those muscles of virtue, you know, um, and and and, the, and it means that we have to take on that more missionary approach, that more lived experience. It means that we might have to set a curriculum aside, or at least a, a, a book or teaching materials, and actually get out some permission forms and say we're going to go here or we're going to go there. Um, one one of the most powerful things that happened is we did a a regional conference in Region Ten, which is here in uh, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, and Texas, all the dioceses, and uh, there was a youth conference, and it was in Little Rock, Arkansas. And this is like 2,500 people gathered, and they rented buses, and in the middle of the conference, Saturday, they got everyone on buses, and we went out to uh, to that, that school, the Little Rock Nine, that school that first uh, broke segregation, mm. right? And, uh, and we did, we did a, little, a, little, a little event out there, and we learned and we educated, but we also saw and we walked. And then we did a, a peaceful march to another place that ended with a prayer service. It was powerful. And it was way better than watching a video or reading a book or something like that because we got to stand in the same place that they stood. Yep. We, we, we got to pray together. It was beautiful. And so what does that look like? What does actual advocacy look like as opposed to just information? Because that, that's the other thing on, on these, uh, what do we call it, keyboard warriors or these social media advocates. Like, 
like what does it mean to actually stand like physically actually stand um against racism yeah and it's like we we've been talking a little bit about like in investigating the other side learning more about it wherever you are but i i think education around all this is huge like we are learning things about our history as a nation that that i never knew right the the whole oklahoma thing the tulsa thing like what happened to that black community is is ridiculous and that that's something that was never like talked about you know and i i don't know where or why it should be but uh, like stuff like that is a part of our history and and that may be one of the reasons why some of that like so some of the systemic racism still exists is because we we don't talk about that we hide that you know we bury that in our past so learning about those things is huge because just think about this like when you learned like for those of us whatever catholics when when we finally learned what abortion was Whatever age we were, once we realized what abortion was and learned about what happened and the process and how destructive it is, not just to the baby, to, but to the mom, to the dad, to society, like once we learned the facts, like we, we have to stand up. We have to do something about it. At least that's my perspective from what I learned, right? So the same thing happens here. Once we learn about this, you know, what is happening to, to people we have to do something about it, right? Like the more you learn, the the more p- powerful you, I don't know, that that urge to help is. Like I've, I learned things and I like, again, I don't know the full details, but they're like the stories around Khalif Browder and the stories around the Central Park Five. Like I, I had no idea what happened to these young men, right? And I've been in youth ministry for 19 years. Right. right, young people and and the plight of young people is important to me, regardless of race. And and after having worked in Chicago and been in an inner city parish, like that, like population has a, a special part in my heart. And to see young men, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to rhyme. Um, <laughs> to see young men uh, put away for something that they did not do, to lose such a huge chunk of their life is it, it's just uh, it's appalling like to me on multiple levels and so that learning about these things i think creates a passion that needs to be there if we like seclude ourselves from learning about all this stuff and and becoming passionate then i, I feel like we're not we're doing a disservice to ourselves you know to to everything anyway sorry no, that's fine. That was awesome. And so clearly we're still processing it and i want to point out a couple of things in regards to um how Matt just presented himself, right? And so Matt, in regards to it, he was speaking his truth, right? Which might not be the truth, right? That might, we might not have all the facts, but in regards to engaging in this dialogue, which is important, we have to speak our truth. Like my understanding is this, my experience in Chicago is this, and that's speaking your truth. But we also know the greater truth. Racism is wrong, right? Life is is precious, right? You mentioned abortion and, th- and things of that nature. And then the other piece is to stay engaged, right? Matt stayed engaged, even though in this dialogue, it's uncomfortable. And I'm going to speak on on, on both of our behalfs. It's uncomfortable being a, uh, a white male in the midst of th- these conversations. And to stand because a lot of the aggression that happens to black Americans is from people that look like me. Mm-hmm. And they misrepresent me when when this takes place you know and and that's unfortunate because i do not believe that racism 
is the problem equals white men are the problem. Yep. But a lot of racists in America also are white men, and that's uncomfortable. So I am challenged to stay engaged in the conversation, even though it might be uncomfortable. And then it, that, that, that same reality in regards to remaining engaged is more listening, right? And then the last piece I think is important for us to know is to expect and accept non-closure. These are four agreements that we talked about earlier after that uh, Courageous Conversations uh, diversity workshop that I went to. But expect and accept non-closure. We're not going to solve racism in a podcast. We're not going to solve racism in a dialogue. But I will tell you one thing. We had a Zoom meeting for our youth group. And I'm telling you, by the end of it, I was confident to be able to say that their generation will end racism. Mm. Like it, it stops with them. Mm. My own children, when I brought this up, hey, what's going on in the news? And I was praying for it during our prayer time and I explained it to them and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> like mm. they like, why would anyone treat anyone differently just because of the color of their skin? That doesn't make sense, dad. And I'm like, you're right. It doesn't make sense, sweetheart. Um, and, and, and again, two generations behind us, if you think about our own grandparents, racism was a lot more in the open. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just kind of revealed itself at family reunions and at private discussions. And so it still exists, but it's more more in, in the shadows. And eventually it will disappear. And I am confident that if we continue to raise uh, our youth in a way that this dialogue is not something we should hide from, but something we should run to, because we know that as baptized uh, Catholics, as baptized Christians, we are children of God that are going to carry the light into the dark areas Amen. through our dialogue and our advocacy and our listening. Yep. Yeah, I, you know, I, I pray that the those listening and ministry leaders across the nation educate themselves and help educate others, because it's not just like so. There are other things that are kind of wrapped around all this that are important to pay attention to, like the the incarceration rate, you know, in this country over the last, you know, fifty years. It's just ridiculous, you know, where where we've gotten, you know, learning some of that from uh, the documentary 13th, um, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that, you know. 13th um, Amendment, it's on Netflix. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's just called 13th, I think, but okay. it is about the 13th Amendment. Um, so, you know, that, you know, and then the, the school to prison pipeline, you know, and, and the injustices that are involved around that. Like some of this stuff I would never have known about or like paid attention to had this not come up in in the news. And so whether or not you think that the way it is portrayed in the news is right or wrong, the education that that is causing is good. Right? So the yes. what like yes. the, the what what's happening, you know, is I hope that other people are taking the same like uh, I don't know initiative that I am just trying to learn as much as I can about what's happening, what has happened, what we can do. That is a good thing, right? Well, and I think that's where sharing is uh, is, is helpful, right? And so uh, instead of on social media blasting out an opinion, instead say blast out a, a resource like, hey, I just learned about this. Yeah. This is a great place where I found ve- very educational about someone asked me, what is systemic racism, right? What is that? And then you can say, let's watch the documentary 13th. And it really unfolds what systemic means when we say systemic racism, you know. Um, And and so that might be a better way to advocate on social media is by providing resources as opposed to just providing commentary. Yeah. I had (laughs) a, it was challenged by a friend of mine. Um, 
they had asked, you know, do you have any black friends? Do you have any friends, you know, I mean, people of color that are friends? And it's like, yeah, yeah. Have you ever asked them their story? Like, have you ever asked them about their life? Like what it's like to, to grow up as a person of color in the United States or whatever? No. And the response was, then you don't have any black friends. Then you don't have any friends who are people of color. If you haven't had that deep of a conversation with them, um, it's not a true friendship. Now, that may be a, a pretty bold statement. Um, and Chris it, obviously it, disagrees. I do. I do because because you do. <sighs> Chris, I know intimate things about your past that nobody else knows. Yeah. Very few people know. Right. We are friends. Right? But yeah. Yes, Absolutely. But but you you haven't asked me about some of you you can't predict some of the things in my closet or whatever that I'm not comfortable talking about and maybe respectfully you're not you know what I mean sure but like but 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 at that that depth like just to share how ignorant I am this is like less than ten years ago I'm out playing soccer and we're changing and changing our cleats and I notice uh, my black friend is over there and I notice the bottom of his feet are white. Just like, just like his hands. Yep. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Blah, 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 this. And he looked at me and he's like, Chris, have you never seen the bottom of a black man's feet before? And I said, no, this is the first time. Matt, I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 30s. <laughs> and so, like, this is a friend of mine. I, I don't get wow. to learn about, do you see what I'm saying? I don't get yeah. to learn that. Yeah. And so I would consider him a friend, even though I haven't asked him uh, his story in regards to that we journey and we share life together and there's things that organically come up right and yeah. so so yeah you you still have black friends matt they were wrong you still have black friends i think there's there's a difference like like and i'm not saying like yes maybe it's a best friend versus a friend because i have a lot of friends i have very few best friends Right, I have very few people that I that I can we say close friends because you can only whatever. have one best sure, friend, whatever close friends. This is math, you know. Um, but I I do also have um, friends of color. I don't even know how to say that right, but <laughs> who who I have asked that story of, yeah. you know, and even and even new acquaintances that I just met, I've asked that story because of where we are right now in the climate. It is okay to ask that question of people you know right now, and that is. That is a good thing. Like to, to ask someone, hey, with everything that's going on, I've never, I, I don't know what it's like. Would you mind sharing me, sharing with me your story? You know, that's okay. It, it is. And I, and I have been rejected for that before. Yeah. But, but I probably asked it in the wrong way, mm. right? I was trying to, trying to determine is, is it people of color? Is it black? Is it African American? And asking, ask, and I was like, which which term is right? And the, the person I asked was very very bothered by that question, right? Uh -huh. And uh, and and instead, maybe I should have worded it differently. Like, is this term offensive, and how? Help me understand um, how I come across when I say this, you know, and, and things of that nature. Um, it, it it's 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 hard. And yeah. so for me, having that, that that tension that existed there made me not want to have those conversations ever again. Yep. But I'm saying now is the time. Yep. We have to be willing to lean in, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's, if it's awkward, and to be patient with one another, even if we say things wrong. And that was the amazing thing about the Zoom meeting I had with the teens is like 
there was a team that went on and at one point they were they were sharing about how they think that the looting is even justified and mm. wow. the violence and i'm like well that's also pretty clearly wrong in in the eyes of the church to exercise violence you know or to to steal um but to just be patient and to listen not to be like no that that doesn't seem to align with our our core values as as christians but to be like why why yeah. do you feel that way and to yep. seek to understand where they're coming from it, understanding is what's lacking right now you know and i think about that prayer of saint francis to understand uh, to seek to understand more than to be understood yep and and yeah. that is where the grace comes in and that's where the dialogue continues yeah and a lot of very blessed and anointed conversations are coming from this i heard a story recently um of a black husband who um shared with his wife for the first time that he had had a gun pulled on him at some at at one point right and so some of these uh, like these conversations are happening in the midst of all this, and I just think that's beautiful, like what God's doing there, you know, and um, and the potential to have these conversations has never been greater, I don't think. And this time is a springboard. Yep. But it needs to be a springboard into a new level, right? Yep. You don't use a springboard to be like, yay, it's not a trampoline where we go up and then we come back down which is where I feel has happened in other areas. Yeah. So now that COVID's come up and now that this has come up, we don't have to talk about the sex scandal that has plagued our church. Mm. Those conversations aren't happening. And we need to be talking about what it means to have integrity of leadership in the church right now. That has to always be a conversation that's going on. The same is true in regards to social justice and race, right? For some reason, pro-life has stayed and remained up there. This advocacy... For one, one demographic, all mm. lives, one demographic is set apart, and that's been the unborn in the church for years. And now here we are, and, and race is, uh, is, is being kind of elevated to that level. It should have always been at that level. <laughs> yeah. like, like, and I yeah. don't want to see six months from now for it to go back down as a back burner, back burner item. Yeah. This needs to be integrated in. And so here we are in the summertime. We've got a ton of ministry leaders out there. How are you going to integrate it into next spring? Yeah. Not the fall semester while it's still a hot topic and things like that, but next spring. What does this dialogue look like a year from now? And, and that's what it means as ministry leaders to keep this conversation going, to be agents of change, and really to be fostering missionary disciples. Amen. This is part of our mission, and it's a gospel imperative. And when you word it like that, Catholic social teaching, social justice for all, is a gospel imperative, right? Amen. It's part of who we are. It's part of why we exist. And so we have to figure out what does a sustainable approach look like to, uh, to continuing this dialogue or to advocating in this way. Yeah, but I mean, silence is not an option. Um, I, I will be bold enough to say that silence is not an option. And this isn't one of those things like if you're silent, you're a racist. I'm not saying that crap. <laughs> no. Sorry, but but we as ministry leaders have to speak up. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Let's continue this conversation online. Maybe not because I'm sick of the online conversations around all this and what people do. Um, if we can be charitable, let's keep it online. But but continue these conversations in, in person. Please send any feedback you have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. But no joke, in person, email us, MLA at ablaze.us, and then ask us for our cell phone number so that we can actually have this dialogue. Because Matt and I, we've got blind spots this is a growth area, not just for the church, but for Matt Rice and Chris Bartlett. Amen. And, uh, and we know that you can help us as well. And that's because here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone.
And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and pray about how this conversation continues beyond it being a hot topic. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.